What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. And I'm excited you joined me today because today we have a very, very special guest. I am so excited to have Adam Carroll here. Adam is a renowned financial literacy expert, celebrated author, and captivative, captivating speaker who has done over 1,000 speaking engagements worldwide with his thought-provoking TED Talks with over 6 million views on TED to, TED on YouTube. Adam has become a prominent figure in the field of finance. His groundbreaking documentary, Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, aired on CNBC and continues to be screened in numerous high schools and colleges nationwide. Guys, we are so lucky to have him here, and I can't wait to pick his brain and learn as much as we can from him. So stay tuned. Let's cue the intro, and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Adam, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to have you. So good to be here, Michael. I'm excited to see where our conversation goes. Me too. Me too. You are talking about some very, very cool subjects and some cool topics and uh, can't wait to bring them to life. There's so many different things that we talk about when it comes to choreography and choreography for our lives, for our business. And uh, and so I'm excited to dig in. But as everybody knows on the show, we've got to start with your backstory. How the heck did you get here? Because I know it wasn't a straight line. And so let's talk about some of the ups, some of the downs and, and the journey that uh, you took to get to this space where you're doing all these cool things. Oh man, I, I feel like the, I, I could skip over my twenties almost, Michael, cause it was the turbulent twenties. You know, I was bouncing from job to job and trying to figure out who I was. The commonality among all of them though, were I loved marketing. I love yeah. the idea of being able to market and sell and promote a product and understand how to go present it. Um, at the age of 28, I realized that my core passion really was teaching but doing it in a very non-traditional way. And um, I was listening to, I think it was a, a CD or a cassette tape, probably just to date myself in my car. <laughs> and it was of a motivational speaker, Les Brown or Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield, one of those guys. And someone said, public speaking is one of the most noble professions because you get to change people's lives, you get to travel the world and you get paid pretty well to do it. And at 28, I was like, that's the trifecta. Those are all three things that I want. And so in, um, in my late 20s, I, I founded a, a, present, a presentation company and started speaking professionally and have done that ever since. Wow. Um, it's led me into the work that I do today around financial literacy and certainly the shred method. Uh, but deep down at the core of who I am, I'm an educator. I just love teaching people and seeing the flashbulb moment behind people's eyes. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> the 20s. I, I, I love that you said that. I feel like so many of us out there, I mean, it, I know that our audience is entrepreneurs and business owners. So I know that that there are so many of us that feel the exact same way. It was like, oh, the 20s. What was I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what well, what happens? And there's something about entrepreneurship in your 20s too, where you're just like, I'm going to put all these tools in my toolbox and see which ones I pull out every now and again and use. 
and which ones I'm good at and things like that. I think it's a, it's like, it should be considered a test market. The first 10 years of your career from <laughs> 20 to 30, you know, you're just testing things. So no doubt, no doubt. It was a great lab. No doubt. Well, you, you mentioned a couple of things in there and, and it's led me to be super curious about, okay, so now you're talking about financial literacy, but you started in with some marketing. Yeah. How did you get into the marketing? Let's talk about that first. We're going to get yeah. to the financial literacy side. Interestingly enough, I was a broadcasting major in college oh, and, and I, I thought I was going to be, you know, the nighttime anchor or the, the, the today show kind of dude. Right. And, um, realized very quickly that many of those folks don't make a lot coming out of school. And I've been a debt statistic. I borrowed money, lived like a rich college kid in college, and then became a broke professional when I graduated. Right. And I realized that the, um, you know, at a, at a, either a TV station or a radio station, the folks on air were driving, you know, Ford tempos and, and the salespeople were driving BMWs. Right. And I was like, I think I've got this wrong. I don't know that I want to be on air. I want to be marketing what's on air. Right. And I learned a great deal in the first three or four years. I worked for a radio station, a direct mail company. Um, I worked for uh, uh, basically a, a sales company that was a clothing business called Tom James. They're, they hire clothiers to go out and sell suits and shirts and sport coats to upper level executives. It, but it was a marketing job. And um, I just realized along the way, Michael, that there were there were certain secrets that great marketers knew, and I was destined to go learn those in one right. way, shape, or form. And so okay. through those those jobs, it really just helped me hone my ability to do copywriting and my ability to understand direct mail and and then email marketing and all the things that make you know ultimately business owners successful today. Right. Yeah. Right. I love that. And and I don't want to deter from from the message that we're going to dig into today. But yeah. you said, oh, you know, those marketers, they know some of the secrets that really, really hit it home. Share with us maybe two of your your top secrets that uh, that uh, really hit the ball out of the park. Yeah into the other stuff you you picked up on one of them you know the marketing secrets that allow people to succeed it's like the language we use around what we sell and market has great meaning and what i learned and this is a a bit of a story that will illustrate the point but there was a, a there is a good friend of mine his name is dane maxwell he's a brilliant entrepreneur and when we were i was in my early 30s he was in his mid-20s he came to me and he said Hey, I think we need to study copywriting and we need to get really good and we need to study the masters to do it. And I said, well, what do you recommend? He said, we're going to take a course together from Gary Halbert and John Carlton and some of these guys who are very widely known as great copywriters, Dan Kennedy. And um, he said, we're going to handwrite all of their old sales letters because as we handwrite them, it will just start to impress upon our subconscious how to write great copy. And so every Wednesday for two hours, we would sit in a conference room and we would handwrite sales. And it was pretty amazing to go back and look at some of the, the greatest sales letters of all time and handwrite those and then break them down. What were the keywords? What were the magic, uh, you know, trigger stories or sentences that really caught your attention? And I started just inadvertently writing that way when I wrote 
copy or sales emails or what have you. And it was just, um, it, it was, it was affirming for me that all those Wednesdays sitting in a writing <laughs> things with Dane, right. the whole time I'm thinking I should be somewhere else. I could be doing something else. Why am I doing this? Right. But deep down it gets to the cellular level. I mean, much like you and ballroom dancing, I'm sure where you just know the steps, you know, you know, if someone says, Hey, we're going to pick up and, uh, in four and here's the dance move we're going to do, you would know what that is. And someone could say, I need a hundred words of sales copy about this thing. I could crank them out, you know, in no time. Yeah, it is. It's, it's gotta become second nature, but I love, I love that you sat down and rewrote those. I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, from some of the greats and, and I feel like there's a whole lot of people trying to take the shortcuts they know now and and people are starting to get wind of the idea that hey you know direct direct marketing you know that's an important skill and i even yeah. feel like nowadays the corporate entities and the corporate mindset is starting to recognize that and say hey you know we we ought to at least have that as part of our our path because yeah. we can't quite ignore this and say, well, it's just what those little guys do. Well, it's not, it's, right. it's what everybody does. And so I know that there's a lot of people out there thinking, well, direct marketing, that's not for me. I, you know what? It works in every field. It works in yeah. every vertical and it's so important, but I just, I, I love that. I, I, I just want to point out the, the, the learning side of it that you took, you know, by, by setting aside the time to go and write that stuff down. I mean, I, I noticed that our younger generation, our kids, I have four kids. I mean, most of the time they're like, you want me to write something? Yeah, right. Like I, you want me to take some time to write something down? Like, uh, can I just do it on my phone or can I do it on my computer? They don't even write anymore in school. Uh, and, and I feel like that there's just so much power in what you just said. So all of you guys listening, like, really think about that. I mean, it's such a cool thing. Now, I don't want to take too much more time on that because I do want to get into uh, the shred method. I want to talk about uh, financial literacy. I love the journey that you've been on. It's it's inspiring. And let's talk a little bit more about what, what in the world got a bee in your bonnet about financial literacy. I mean, yeah. for some people, they go, okay, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about money. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make it, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's such a, it's such a taboo topic. And I think what we found Michael in the years of certainly of me doing this and my team working with individuals is that the, the, the relationship we have with money is largely emotional sure. and there are a hundred different emotions that are connected to money. So many of your listeners are probably in business. They're in an entrepreneurial venture because they wanted freedom. They wanted to control their own income, control their time. Et cetera, et cetera. Maybe they saw a parent get laid off from a job, and so they were like, "Nope, W two, not that life is not for me. I'm going to go do my own thing, and I'm never going to be in that situation that I saw my mom or dad in." That's an emotional reaction to money, and so what got me started uh, was shortly after school. I mentioned I was a debt statistic. I had thirty plus thousand dollars in student loans, eight grand in credit card debt. You know, I was upside down on my car. I was I was the prototypical picture of someone who didn't really have their stuff together when it came to money. And I met a woman my senior year in college who said, get rid of your debt or I'm going to get rid of you. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that is harsh. 
Right. And I'm, you know, I'm being successful doing what I do. And she's like, you're deeply in debt and can barely afford the finance charges on your credit card. And so I looked at her scenario, looked at mine, realized she was right. Um, came to my senses and proposed to her. She became my wife about 25 years ago. And we, from that point forward, we decided we were going to live differently financially, certainly than our parents did. And so what happened, Michael, was we decided to live um, on one income for the first two years of our marriage and the other income we would use to blast away all of our debt. And the idea was that the two greatest expenses we have in life are taxes and the interest expense on debt. So if, if we can minimize taxes, which the best way to do that is own your business, own real estate, you know, control your expenses, make, make ordinary personal expenses more like business expenses, et cetera. But the second way, which is where most business owners overlook, is how do we minimize the interest expense on debt, which is one of the second largest expenses we have. And that would be like your commercial loans, your SBA loan, your mortgage at home, car loans. And um, so it, it got me, your question about what put a bee in my bonnet, it was realizing that we didn't do anything out of the ordinary. It was really pretty simple. It wasn't always easy, but it was very simple. And it allowed us to create this incredible amount of freedom and flexibility in our lives that I want to teach other people about. Wow. That's really great. And, uh, you know, what do they say behind every great man is a great woman <laughs> or greater woman. Yeah. For sure. greater woman. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And uh, let's talk a little bit about all of the, well, the different hype that's being promoted in the media and in the uh, interwebs on one end of the coin, you've got people saying debt is good. Yep. You need to utilize it. You need to have totally. it. You need to uh, leverage it. And on the other side, you've got people going, debt is really bad and you need yeah. to get rid of it and it needs to get off your plate. And you've got people venomously arguing both yeah. points. Yep. Talk to us about the concept, the idea, where you stand. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate this question immensely because there is a spectrum and there are various extremes on the spectrum where, where the people who are saying no debt, no debt, it's all bad, don't have it. Um, they, they come from a different vantage point about debt. And those who are saying, no, use it, leverage it. Other people's money is how you know, wealth is created. They are also correct and come about it from a different vantage point. Um, mine, I would say fits somewhere in the middle and maybe a little bit more skewed towards less debt is better. Uh, maybe not no debt. Cause I like having debt. I, I will keep leverage on certain things. However, one of the things that we're teaching, that's a little bit different in that, in that, um, you know, the fluctuation of those arguments is it's not about necessarily just the debt, but it's understanding how debt and leverage works. And what we tend to do, if I'm painting a broad brush picture of most consumers, Michael, is they go get a loan, a home loan, or they go get a commercial loan for their business or an SBA loan to start things. And they fail to recognize that the first three to five, maybe even seven years of their mortgage payoff journey or their debt payoff journey is almost entirely interest. So the, the metaphor that I like to use with business owners is if you put a traffic light over your debt, the first 10 years are red light. 
the second 10 years are yellow light, the last 10 years are green light. And our goal with the shred method is to make all of them green light, meaning red light years, almost all of your payments going to interest, not very little going to principal. Um, and essentially what you're doing is saying, I'm paying for the privilege of using this money and I'm okay just paying interest. And that may take tens of thousands of dollars out of your pocket in the process because you're paying the bank interest. The yellow light years are when you get to a point where you're starting to pay more and more principal, less and less interest. And eventually it teeters over in a 30 year fixed mortgage. It's year 21 where more of your payments going to principal than it is to interest. Um, but in the last 10 years, if you think about it, most people don't stay in a home for 30 years. They might stay seven, maybe 10 or 12. But at that point, they're just barely into the yellow light years of their payoff. And so with the shred method, what we're doing is teaching them how to accelerate the amortization table payoff process and just create more and more equity much faster. I love this. You so eloquently put into words amortization and and mitigation and i know those two words are like you know you say that to people and they start going whoa 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 yeah. back it up like eyes glaze well, over I, I i like i can't i can't hear you anymore those words are too big and then you try to totally. explain the what they are and i feel like for anybody who is new or have have been afraid of those two words yeah amortization mitigation of your debt go back and listen to that again, because I mean, that was so very simply put, but I love how it describes such a complex uh, challenge that we deal with. And so uh, talk to us a little bit more about how the shred method is different and why, yeah. why it's helping people in this regard. I just want to dig into that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this line of questioning and the discussion here because what I want to do, and I think what your show aims to do, is sort of challenge norms right? and then be able to say, what is the playbook that you're creating in advance to then execute, right? I mean, it's you have to choreograph first, dance next. Sure. In our world, what that means is, you know, let me take a step back, Michael. One of the things that we believe wholeheartedly is that most people don't have an income problem they have a liquidity problem. And what I mean by that is most business owners and certainly people in a job, they don't have an income problem in the sense that the banker has underwritten loans, whether it be a, a commercial loan, an SBA loan, a mortgage, the banker has underwritten that based on what they see your income to be. So people don't have an income problem. Like I'm not making enough because the bankers already said, it looks like you make enough to afford whatever it is you're buying. But most people have a liquidity problem in that if someone said, hey, I need 20,000 or 50,000 or $100,000 because I have this great opportunity for you where you could make 15 or 20% and the risk is largely uh, eliminated, people would be like, oh, where on earth am I going to get that, that kind of money? Right. And what we don't realize or fail to realize is that we would have that amount liquid to us or available to us. If it weren't for the fact that we're sending twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year in interest to our banker in the way of interest payments on amortized debts, so number one is people don't have an income problem; they have a liquidity problem. Number two is our income is really inefficient. And so, uh, if you don't mind, Michael, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, 
are there periods of time over a week or a month where you might have extra money sitting in checking or savings? Always. Yeah. And would you say it's like days, weeks, months on end, money might be sitting there waiting for you? We, we, we try to put it at use, but it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's what I, what, again, one of our core philosophies is that lazy idle money that's sitting in an account. And what I mean by that is like someone has a thousand or a couple thousand extra dollars sitting in checking lazy idle money like that is dangerous money because it's very unintentionally sitting there number one and it's too easy to go into costco with a shopping list and walk out with a bounce house you know what i mean <laughs> particularly with four kids because you're walking like it'd be fun they'd love it i'm exactly. gonna buy this 400 doodad that i don't need right and you do it because the money's sitting there and granted you want to give your kids some fun but at the same time, we've all bought things before where we're like, why on earth did I buy that? <laughs> you bought it because you had an extra $400 sitting there that was not right. marked for anything. Right. So you spent it. And as business owners, we do that all the time. We have money sitting in our account that's there. Maybe it's for operational purposes. Maybe it's emergency fund. Maybe it's an opportunity fund. But where we come from is there is a difference between available money and accessible money. So available money is sitting in an account. It's there. You can go pull it out, count it, roll around in it if you want to, whatever. <laughs> Accessible money would be more like money on a line of credit. It could be in a uh, like an overfunded whole life policy. It's It's a bucket of money that you could go access if you needed it. And the difference is that if money is available, it's just sitting in your checking account, but you're paying interest on an amortized debt, like a mortgage or a, or a commercial loan, there's a better, more efficient way of using that those funds that will in the end save you tens of thousands and in some cases hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Right. Well, and, and that makes total sense. And I think that for a lot of our listeners, that's probably the case. And you've probably sparked their interest now because they're saying, well, yeah, I, I totally do that. Uh, I mean, uh, we have a colleague that that loves to keep cash. Yeah, loves to keep cash and and they know it's not the best use of their cash, right. but they love to keep cash. And so there's this balance between that. I mean, no doubt of being able to figure that out. And I and I suppose that's where this idea of financial literacy comes, because if you can get educated in understanding, OK, great, maybe you have this desire to keep a lot of cash liquid, but. Yeah. That yeah. being said, what's the minimum that you should do in all those other areas? And I think right. that's where where you guys come in and and I'm sure where the shred method comes in and in being able to educate us in how we can meet our personal needs and yeah. uh, and emotional needs around money and 100%. still be able to make some headway in progress. Is that accurate? Oh yeah. You hit the nail on the head when you said emotional needs too, because yeah. your, your client, your friend, your associate who loves keeping cash. The reality is at some point in their life, what they probably heard a parent or grandparent say was cash is king. Cash is king. And what they realized was, oh, that makes me feel good. I'm safe and secure when I have cash sitting on the sidelines, right. not doing anything, not making me any money necessarily Sure, could be more efficiently used but it makes me feel good over there. And so one of our first questions when we work with folks is how much do you need 
on the sidelines to feel safe and secure at any given point in time right. and making a distinction between how much of that is available and how much of that is accessible. Sure. Because when, when I first got married, I asked my wife, how much do you need in savings to feel safe and secure at any given point in time? And without skipping a beat, Michael, she said $30,000 and we were 24 and I thought she'd hit the Listerine too hard that morning. You know what I mean? I was like, you're out of your mind. And right. she said, you asked, that's my answer. And then as, as we got older and wiser, I realized that that's, that's an incredible amount of money to have on the sidelines, not really doing anything for you, particularly given if our expenses are low and our ability to make money is relatively high. The real question is how long would it take you if, if everything hit the fan and, and, you know, money is wiped out and all those things, how fast could you get back to a point where you're making the amount of money you need to make? Right. And in my world as a, a professional speaker, I know how to go market myself and my goods, my, my services. So it would take me about 60 days to go build, you know, a decent revenue stream doing what I do. And so I know that I don't need 30 grand because my monthly expenses aren't 15. Um, so, you know, I, I start to ratchet that back. And for our, for our clients, what we like to do is say, let's take the business and let's take you personally. How much needs to be there for you emotionally to be able to sleep well at night and sure. know that no matter what pops up, you're good. Right. Right. I love that. Talk to us a little bit more about what it looks like to work with you and, and how people can find you and and uh, and start to find out more and maybe dig in. I, I know that uh, I know that you've perked some people's ears up during the show and, and they're listening and going, yeah, yeah, OK, yeah. I, I definitely need to do something about this. So talk to us a little bit more about what that looks like and, and how they can find you. Yeah, the shred method itself is is really a com it's comprised of three elements. It's a course. So we go through and we teach you the mindset and the background and how the money works and all of that in the course itself. It's meant to give you a really cohesive look at how to do this, both in, in your personal life and your business life. Then we have a community. The community is hundreds of shredders strong who get together two or three times a month on a, a Zoom webinar. And we just go through and we, we'll either do educational uh, you know, courses, classes, have guest speakers that come in and talk about various aspects of money management and investing and all of that. Um, and then the last piece of it is the software. And our software is, is based on some complex algorithms that essentially do all the math for you. And quite often, Michael, when we show people what's possible, we have to tell them this isn't magic, it's math. And it's right. math that you just haven't learned because you, you never got taught how amortization schedules work. Exactly. Right. So when we plug people's numbers in our savings calculator, it will literally kick out and say, you could be debt-free in 4.2 years, which is the average amount of time uh, that most of our shredders are out of debt. And then it'll say, if you did that, you would save X hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest over the course of that mortgage. And then the system turns into a wealth generating engine. And it will tell you if you are investing that amount of money on a monthly basis, what would it turn into over 30 years? And for most folks, it's millions of dollars right. um, that they could be missing out on if they're not doing this for two main reasons. One, the interest expense and the compound effect of that. And number two, we're making money really intentional. So we're helping business owners figure out, 
let's create a path. Let's choreograph where your money goes so that this dance you're doing is very intentional and the amount of money you're setting aside and stacking up and creating opportunity funds with will allow you at some point to stroke a check when the kid needs braces, stroke a check when college costs come around, take your friend to Oktoberfest because you've always wanted to, you know, it's all those things that you get to do because of what we're setting up now very intentionally. So to find out more and to, you know, you can run a savings calculator on our website, <clears throat> but the site is theshredmethod.com, theshredmethod.com. And um, click on the savings calculator, plug your numbers in, and then we are always wel welcome and willing to spend 20 minutes with you on the phone and just go through and say, hey, let's go into your numbers really finitely and show you exactly what's possible. And then if it makes sense, uh, sign up. And if it doesn't, hopefully we educated you. I love that. I appreciate that so much. Well, holy cow. I know we've all learned a ton today and, and I appreciate your time and, and your willingness to share your expertise. And uh, I encourage everybody to go check it out, the shredmethod.com. We'll have it in our notes and you can click on it there if you need to. Uh, go check it out, see what you can learn and, and get in and, and talk to Adam and his team about how they can help you. Uh, Adam, before we let you go, can you leave us with, you know, some sage words of wisdom before we head out? Uh, so I love this statement. It's it's um, etched on my wall in a in a uh, art piece, but it says our lives are perfectly engineered for the results we're currently getting. And what it means to me is, if we don't like the results that we have in our life, it is up to us to re-engineer things in order to make those results different. And I think as business owners, we take on the responsibility and the onus of creating our own life. I think entrepreneurs in general are life architects. Right. And so as a reminder, you know, our lives are perfectly engineered for the results we're getting and you could plug anything in for life. Our finances are perfectly engineered for the results we're currently getting. Our marriage is perfectly engineered for the results we're currently getting. Our business is perfectly engineered. So it's just a great reminder and something I always like to leave podcasts with. I love it. I appreciate that so much. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. As usual, keep working on choreographing your business, all parts of your business, including your finances, and get literate. There's so much to learn. There's so much to get in there and, and get choreographed so that you can have the life that you intend to have. Uh, Adam, thank you for joining us on the show. We'll see you guys all on the next episode. Take care. Thanks for having me, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.